welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordoff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Really thrilled to have you here and really thrilled to introduce a special guest. Her name is Sarah Huesler. Hope I got that right. Yes, you did. Yay! Um, and I met her at the Osmompreneur Conference in 2016 and you sort of couldn't miss her. She's like got the friendliest face and the loveliest smile of almost anyone I've ever met. I'm not too sure who introduced to who, Sarah, but I was so, so glad we connected and we had lots of things in common, but she's, you know, qualified and stuff at things, (laughs) (laughs) has so much good stuff to share, and I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to be having today. So thank you for joining me, Sarah. Thank you so much, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. I um, yeah, I can't believe it's been like several months since Osmum, and um, we actually met in the middle of the Crown Casino somewhere because I was not sure where to go, and you and Laura Trotter were um, oh, yes, wandering that's around. Right. Yeah, and it's hilarious because I was um, out of everyone that was going to be there, I was actually most excited to meet you because yeah. I knew you were going to be there. Because yeah, no, because I've been following you for so long, and I knew you were nominated in the same category as me. And I was like, I said to my one of my business best friends, I said, I'm going to meet Lisa Corder while I'm over there, and she's like, Yeah, that would be awesome. And then you were the very first person I bumped into. How's that? That's manifested. I'm sure it was. It was totally, and I, I think you know we had we had, we'd seen each other on Instagram. Or was it Facebook? And so we were kind of primed to meet each other. But then there we were. Oh, it was fate. Oh, it was fate. It was beautiful. (laughs) Um, Well, firstly, so everyone gets a really good understanding and I don't muck up explaining exactly what it is you do because it did, it surprised me the bent you have on your business. So could you just fill everyone in on what it is that you do and, and I guess... How you fell into it, why you love it. Sure. So I am actually an occupational therapist. Um, I've been an OT, which is the shorthand version of occupational therapist, because if I had to say occupational therapist every time (laughs) I talked about myself, I'd just probably get laryngitis, I think. Um, But, yeah, I've been an OT since, oh, gosh, 1999, 2000, so for a good 16 or 17 years. Um, and at the moment, I, I run my own business. So I started my own business about three years ago, which is called Bloom Wellbeing. Um, and it's a specialist um, area of business. And I focus in um, maternal wellbeing and also pediatric wellbeing, and especially that connection between the both. So the connection between maternal and children's wellbeing. Um, and it's a it's an emerging area of OT practice. So there's not a lot of us working in this field in OT in this maternal wellbeing or women's health space um and it's it's funny how I kind of fell into it so when I started OT I um I was working in um the vocational rehab sector so I was working with you know like big burly 60 year old truck drivers who had dodgy backs (laughs) and um (laughs) yeah no here I was this like 21 year old girl trying to tell them to stop eating so many (laughs) meat pies and maybe do some stretches you know when they stop at the truck stop um so and and I did that kind of work for 
several years and eventually I got a little bit burnt out by it because um, the work cover system is just sometimes not very nice and um, it just wasn't the right fit for me. It became quite process driven and became lots of paperwork and, and there was really it was really hands off. There wasn't a lot of, you know, work supporting people and helping people. So, um, yeah, like I said, I got a little bit burnt out and I decided to quit OT altogether. I was never going to be in OT again and I went and studied journalism. So I um, got my graduate diploma in journalism um, and became a journalist and I loved it. It was great. Loved telling people's stories and hearing people's stories and, you know, I've always been, you know, loved writing and English and all those sorts of things. And then I kind of fell back into OT <laughs> somehow. It was um, quite serendipitous when I um, moved up to Queensland when I was pregnant with my first baby. I um, I had to get a job and there wasn't many journalist jobs around and I was just thought, oh, I wonder if I can get some OT work again. And so that's what I did. And, um, yeah, that's how I kind of fell back into OT. So my background in OT, like I said, I was in VOC rehab, but I also had quite a little bit of um, mental health experience um, and also worked in a school as well um, before I moved on to different avenues. So I had a broad cross-section of work in OT. And um, it's it, OT is one of those interesting professions in that, what you do as an OT really depends on the client group that you work with. So, um, you know, you tell people that you're an OT and they'll go, oh, yeah, I had um, an OT when I was a kid and they helped me with this or oh, my grandma's got an OT and she put handrails in or, um, you know, my, my, you know my, my, my dad had an OT to help him to get back to work after an injury. So we do really different stuff with all the people that we work with. So it can sometimes be quite confusing when people say, oh, you're an OT, how do you work with mums? <laughs> because it's not something that people would associate with motherhood very much. So, um, but yeah, so that's how I kind of fell into it. And I've, when I became a mum myself about six years ago when my little Ella was born, um, I started noticing, I kind of met my mum's group and was around a lot more mums because I'd never really give mother, motherhood a second thought until I became a mother myself, as most of us don't. Um, yeah, but then I um, met all these mums and I started to notice just how many injuries they had. So all these mums in my mother mother's group, I think there was maybe only one or two people that didn't have some kind of injury like a wrist complaint or a back complaint or um, shoulder soreness or maybe they had like swollen ankles or a few of them, you know, were really struggling with depression and anxiety. And coming from my VOC rehab background, you know, I thought to myself, geez, if motherhood was a vocation, like an industry, there's no work cover insurer in the world that would insure it because of all the claims they would have. Um, and I was doing some further study into soft tissue injury management at the time and I focused all my study on um, postnatal injuries and looking at the rates of postnatal injuries among mothers and and all that kind of thing. So that's how I kind of fell into starting this idea of, of bringing OT into the motherhood sphere um, because I just think there's so many skills that we OTs have and the philosophy of our work just fits so nicely with motherhood. So um, it was just after my second baby was born that I decided I just didn't want to go back to work for anyone else, so I would start my own business, um, and that's what I did. So there we are. That's the long version <laughs> of that the story. That's an amazing story. Um, and, I, I, you know, in absolute honest truth, I 
I didn't really know what occupational therapy was. I I 100% thought it's for kids who don't have proper motor skills or something and um you know friends whose kids do OT because you know they're not at the level that they should be but when I was on your website I think it was something like um OTs help people um it was like function function optimally for different roles in their life or something like that yeah and that sort of gave me a bit of an understanding of of what you actually do or what the purpose of occupational therapy is but then I wondered oh hello little one that's all right I'm just sorry no don't apologize (laughs) I've just got my little munchkin over here she's just (laughs) naked in her in her knickers because it's pretty hot here in Adelaide today and she's just finished Octonauts on tv so she wants me to replay it for her (laughs) well she does no no not Octonauts you're on your phone oh well you know how to use the phone okay off you go (laughs) <laughs> she can she can hear that mummy's having a conversation. That's and, right. Well, that's just like you know, it's like Velcro. Start it to is, talk, isn't it? It's kids like, come. Talking to someone who's not me. I can't have this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like the kids are playing happily. Mum chooses right. to jump on the phone to have a two minute conversation. Kids all come to mum and ask for food or something that they didn't need one second ago. Even if Dad is sitting right next to oh, you. <laughs> it's oh, universal, isn't it? It is. It totally is. Yeah, um, um, but but, yeah no, what, what you're saying is really um, is really common. So a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I thought OT was just for kids or, or I thought OT was just for older people. And like I said before, it's about who our client group is. So um, at its basis, occupational therapy focuses on what we call meaningful occupation. So when we talk about occupation in occupational therapy, it's not just about a person's job or their vocation. So what we talk about is that an occupation is anything in your life that you want to do or have to do or need to do. Um, And it's about OT, is about helping people to fill their lives with, you know, with meaningful occupations and to get back to doing those meaningful occupations that make their life theirs. So in that respect, when we talk about paediatric OT, which I still do a little bit of paediatric work as well, um, our our major um, strategy is play because play is the number one occupation for kids. So we use play to help them develop, so to help them develop those motor skills or to develop those visual perception skills or, um, you know, to help them develop their coordination and their motor planning. So, you know, we'll be playing hopscotch or connect four and, you know, sometimes the parents we see and they're going, you're just playing with them but we're really thinking about how is this helping them integrate all their senses and their movement processes and the neurological connections and all that sort of thing. So that's what we do. And, And when it comes to motherhood, so when we talk about occupations, I always sort of think that motherhood is the the greatest occupation there is. And I mean greatest in terms of most all-encompassing, not so much greatest as in the most wonderful. But I really feel like it's the one role or one task that people do that kind of infiltrates every single area of your life. Um, and I think until you're a mum yourself, you don't really understand that. You don't really understand that once you're a mother, that component of you that's a mum kind of influences every decision you make from then on whether it's conscious or subconscious there's always in the back of your mind you're always thinking about how this decision that you're going to make might affect you or your family or your children 
So it really has a big impact. Yeah, and it changes your life so much. So it really changes the way you interact with your life and the roles that you take on in your life um, and the tasks that you can do and the vocations and all those sorts of things. So motherhood has a really huge impact on our occupations as a human um, and they can have a really big impact on the meaningfulness and the validity of what we're doing as well. So people can become quite unwell or quite stressed when they become mums. Um, and so I see a really great role for occupational therapy in supporting mums to just adjust to this transition. So that's what one of, one of my taglines early on was, you know, it's about supporting women to adjust to the physical and emotional demands of motherhood because there are just so many of those. So many. Oh my like why is why aren't other people doing this? You're a trailblazer. Oh, like it, well, because it's when starting, you think yeah. when you think about it like that, you know, I don't know anything else that has had a bigger impact on my life than having children. And I never really thought about it in the sense of uh occupation in term yeah. in, in terms of I'm required to use different like really when it comes down to it, like you start a new job, you go through training, you use different muscles, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, your body is uh stretched, contorted in different ways. Uh you have to call on different parts of your brain that maybe you've never even used before. Your yeah. communication skills, you have to learn how to talk to like basically an alien. Yes. Because they can't talk <laughs> back to you. Like there is so I just I hadn't actually really thought about it in the context of of occupation. So if you work um, with mothers in this uh, occupational therapy OT sense, you what would what would be things that you would help people out with in their everyday life? Like why would someone who is a mum like what would be signs that she might need an occupational therapist? What would you what would you help with? Yeah. So one of the big things that people come to me for is some support with mental health. So um, a lot of mums come to me just because they find they're just not coping. Um, you know, they're just feeling overwhelmed or extremely anxious or perhaps very sad and depressed. And they're just really struggling to adjust to that transition on an emotional level. So they'll come to me for some support in that respect. And so we use a, a bunch of different tools there. We might use some, um, you know, kind of um, counselling kind of tools some more psychological tools um, but then we'll also use some things like mindfulness and just looking at um, basic stuff around um, planning your day and organizing your day and you know energy conservation techniques and, mm. and seeking support and all those kinds of things and we'll look at maybe perhaps you know sleep I say sleep is a four-letter word for mothers isn't it um, <laughs> but you know that's one of the things we might look at and also just a way around the way that they're looking at social media or they're talking to themselves and talking to them about the concept of self-compassion and yeah so it really depends on what they're on what they're struggling with so that's a big one is um I'm finding a lot of anxiety at the moment yeah anxiety is a big one that's coming up um and that's also presenting in I'm getting quite a few referrals at the moment for children who are anxious so toddlers who have got separation anxiety and that seems to be really um, commonly coupled with mums who are heavily anxious as well. So doing a lot of work there on talking to mums about, you know, building connections with their children and attachments and building that secure attachment um, um, to help them to support their children through this separation anxiety and to support themselves as well. Um, we also do, um, you know, some things like 
injury prevention sort of stuff. So I'm also a qualified Pilates instructor. Um, like I said, I came from more of a physical kind of OT background. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff that we can do with mums who are struggling physically as well. So, um, you know, just helping mums to recover after birth. So looking at pelvic floor function and abdominal separation and just really rebuilding their strength and their core strength after having babies. So we'll talk to them about how to carry their baby effectively, um, about how to set up their nursery so that they've got everything at the right height and that sort of thing. Again, looking at those energy management practices and, and how are they lifting their baby and is that why they're getting sore wrists and those sorts of things. So it's it's always about, you know, a holistic approach. So OT is founded on what we call the biopsychosocial model. So it's biological, psychological and social. So we look at all those different areas of a person's life, whether it be their um, their socialisation, their physical well-being or their emotional well-being. So we look at what's the area that they're having trouble with and then how are we going to help you through that. Oh, just love this, Sarah. It's fantastic. I, it, OT is one of those things because it is so broad, um, it's often really misunderstood exactly yes. how we do and what we do it. But it just gives us so much scope to work with people on such different levels. Um, um, you know, I love it because I guess because I'm in that food world and sometimes it can be a bit all-consuming and uh, I think once people have kind of found health through changing their diet that um, and that's what they want to talk to people all about it so women start following these people on social media and thinking, yes, like I want that too. But yep. it's always about so much more than oh, food. And, absolutely. you know, you can't, you just, if you're hating on yourself, if you have not even one minute to yourself throughout a day, if you are chronically uh, tired, then yeah. it's going to be hard to create lifestyle change around food. And so it feels like, you know, I just 100% believe in being gentle on ourselves, especially because my small steppers are mostly mums who, who within the context of very full lives are trying to make pretty big changes to the food yeah. that they and their family eat. And I just, I am just reiterate all the time, like, uh, you know, if it's going to be fish and chips on a Friday because you're burnt out and everyone's screaming and you can't take any more, then let it be because yep. there's just, there is so much more to the person. Um, not not discounting the importance of food, of course, but I love this this holistic approach. And yeah, I would love to ask you because you talk a bit about meaningful motherhood, mm. and you know the the cynic in me is like, <laughs> oh man, like this is going to be something else I have to do. Um, or this is just going to show up how I really let my kids down a lot of the time or how disconnected I am this is just going to be um, something to add to my to-do list can I take on meaningful motherhood (laughs) do you know what because (laughs) can I do it is it too much (laughs) like we're always being told um, how to do things or you know better ways to do things and I think your approach is actually really different to that so I would love you to explain what you mean um, by meaningful motherhood 
Yeah, well, I guess meaningful motherhood is the total antithesis of that because it's really about creating a version of motherhood that works for you and for your children and for your family. So it's about recognising the fact that motherhood is is unique. So the way that you experience and want to experience motherhood should really reflect who you are as a person and how you interact with your children and how you interact with the world. And there's no one right way to be a mother or to be a good mother or to be the perfect mother. Well, there's no way to be the perfect mother at all. Um, But it's about, you know, I guess figuring out what motherhood means for you and creating a version of motherhood that's purposeful and meaningful and enjoyable as well because I really feel like as a generation we have lost the ability to enjoy motherhood. We've lost that playfulness and that energy and that spark that um, I feel like mums – you know, are really missing. So, oh. yeah, and and like I said, it kind of that kind of links back to that you know work as a pediatric OT as well. In that we we use play as a primary means of um you know of working with our children. And I feel like you know play is the number one way that children learn, but you never stop learning from play. So I think mums can really take some information from that, and if they can and just have a little bit of playfulness back in their life, it can help a little bit as well. But again, that has to work for you. If you're not the playful type, then that's not part of your meaningful motherhood. But it's really about, I guess, you know, looking at your own values and looking at what you want out of life and what you want your motherhood experience to be like. And to be able to, I guess, um, reduce the noise and reduce the shoulds and reduce the opinions of everyone else around you and, and to stop trying to please other people and just making sure that you are being true to yourself. Oh, I just love that so, so, so much because I feel like uh, it's the looking around that is the thing that can destabilise us. But before we talk about that, because that's a big topic and I want to ask you a question specifically on that, I just wanted to say that it was, was it last weekend? I said, you know, often we get to the weekends and we you know, my Nick works full time. So it's like the things that we need to get done on the weekend and I'll be up and out to a market or, you know, whatever it is and kind of, you know, wear away. And there's always things that should be done. And I said to him, let's just get up and play with the kids and like make that our thing to do because they're always at us. They are always wanting us. And we're like, guys, let's just, we just need to you know, mummy and daddy just need to get this and this done and then we'll we'll get out to the park or whatever. And I said, actually, let's just put our action items and it was easier because we were on holidays and he'd been around and so we didn't have that kind of urgency about the weekend. It was like every day is a weekend. Yeah. And just said, let's just let's just be with them. Yeah. And the whole tone of our house just changed, changed. when yeah. they knew that they were our priority, that we weren't I wasn't, you know, jumping into the shower straight away to, you know, get out to a market. I just thought, whatever, let's just let this day be what it's going to be and just be with the children and let them lead the way. Like they can think of cooler stuff to do than we can every single time. Absolutely. If we just, yeah, give them the space for it. But um, (laughs) like I am a big fan of letting my kids get bored only because it's such great entertainment for me. I'm like, (laughs) you're so smart. How did you even think to do that? I know, like, I, I know. How did you just create a game out of that? Uh, but, um, yeah, I just, I 
I think that, you know, when you said we've lost the ability to to play or, you know, we've lost that spark, I, well, I think for me when I was really in the young years of them, I mean, they're only six, four and two, so they still are <laughs> young. Um, but, you know, when you're having the babies and it is just what you're doing and you're kind of, it's all consuming and you're in it. I feel like, you know, now with one at school, one at kindy, and we do family daycare for the youngest one, and it's, you know, by no means full time. It feels like I've passed through into a different stage of motherhood yeah. be- because yeah. I'm not literally on the ground with them or I'm not literally feeding them or growing them. And I think at the moment Nick and I are establishing what this next phase means for our family. Like we can do cooler things with them, but we're still kind of stuck in that afternoon sleep on a weekend. Like, do you yeah. know what, like it's sort of, yeah. it's, I find it like a constant reestablishing and just saying about the spark, yeah, I think maybe I have lost a little bit of the the playfulness or, yeah, I don't know, it's a weird thing to think about. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, because we do have these different phases of motherhood that we go through Um, and one thing that I like to talk to people about is the concept of values so when we talk about what we value in life our values will change throughout our life and I think they change throughout motherhood as well so as our babies are tiny infants you know they're so dependent so you know we value that safety and security and and all those sorts of things and then as they grow you know, we value that a bit more independence and a bit more freedom that we have and that ability to go out and do more work and that sort of thing. But then it's about balancing those new values with the old values and how do you actually kind of line them up against each other and when does one come on top and when does the other one come on top? Um, And I think it's really important that you said, you know, you talk to your husband about that a lot because um, parenting, you know, if you're parenting with someone else, you really need to have a consistent approach in your parenting because I think I find that's one of the biggest factors, um, you know, for troubled parenting or for troubled relationships is when the parents just aren't on the same page. And so there's just all this kind of resentment that bubbles up and there's all these kind of issues that happen and the kids know that, they can feel that. So it's about having that ability to sit down with your partner and just kind of go, you know, where are we at and and what are we doing and how do we feel about this happening in our family and how do we feel about this happening in our family and and what are these values that we want to instill in our children and how are we going to model those values for them through what we do every day. Yes. So that's oh, really just, good that you do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the moment, I think we got used to it also just feeling like a bit of a slog. You know, three kids I had in three and a half years and that was kind of our motto was, you know, we've just got to get through this phase. And then we kind of stopped ourselves and went, no, hang on a minute. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be, you know, difficult times throughout all of these stages of parenting. If we can't find ways to enjoy and be present in and appreciate each one, then why would we think we could in the next one? So, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going through sort of a, uh, yeah, looking at our values and thinking about also what we like to enjoy because it felt like a lot was put off for a long time as we were in the child rearing sort of stage and now it's like okay we've got these kids they're pretty cool we actually quite enjoy hanging out with them so what's cool stuff that like how can we fill everyone's bucket 
on the weekend. But, and, you know, and as a mother and I guess creating my own version of meaningful motherhood, it's about, uh, you know, 2016 was for me was a lot about um, if I'm going to have this business, how do I do it in a way that I don't sacrifice what is important to me as a mother and a wife uh, and for our family? Uh, because, yeah, 2015 was a bit out of control. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, isn't it? I, I A lot of my clients are women who run their own businesses um, and I'm just finding that so many women who are in this space of running their own businesses are just really struggling because there's so much pressure to get the business right and get the business up and running. And, you know, running a business takes so much energy, mm. both on a physical and an emotional level. Um, and I find I'm finding what's happening, and I know what happened for myself as well, is that the thing that slips is your self-care. Um, that's the first thing that goes out the window. So your your morning walk to yoga class, your coffee catch-ups with your friends, um, you know, your early nights, <laughs> your late sleep-ins, those are the things that disappear because um, those are the things the mums think, you know, are the least important or at the time. Um, but it's really important that mums keep that stuff happening because like happened with me, um, you just get burnt out and, and that can really, really happen really, really quickly. And once you're already in that burnout phase, it happens so quickly that it takes such a long time to come back out of it. Yes, it's a very, very important message. Yeah, it's a big danger zone, I think, for, for mums moving into that space. I don't think I've met a single mum who runs a home business who found it easier than they thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. If I only knew what I was starting, I had no idea. But I love it. Um, so can we just talk quickly, before you give us some some small steps, can we just talk about that issue of comparisonitis and how you see it playing out with your clients and how it can kind of, I guess, destroy motherhood in, in lots of ways or at least destroy our uh, security in our, in our parenting abilities because I mean, I see it all the time. In fact, in in the membership, at, in my Small Steps membership at the moment, there's a big conversation going on about people needing to simplify and streamline who they're getting their information about food from. So they're saying, I've just pretty much unfollowed everyone and I'm following you, Lisa, and someone else because you don't make me feel like shit about myself and I just, I like, you, you know, you, you keep it real. It's It's not about trying to live up to some crazy you know expectation that I'll never reach and it's just I found that so interesting so many people are using the start of the new year to just really go oh, I can't I, I don't want to feel like crap about myself anymore so it, there seems like there's a big push towards that you know just simplifying and decluttering at the moment isn't there which I think is just really great because I feel like social media is such a double-edged sword it has so many potential positives for mums especially for those mums who might be um, isolated either physically like from geography or just um, you know that they don't have a lot of people they can connect with in their local area um, but there's so much negative that can come out of it as well and and one of the huge things is you know like like you said that comparisonitis that you know ability to look at someone's Instagram feed and immediately just feel shit about yourself you know um and it's and it's really interesting and it happens so quickly and a lot of it has kind of 
got to do with, I guess, the way that our brains work um, and that our brains are kind of hardwired for for danger and, and for keeping us safe. And so, you know, we look at social media and we see all these things that are on there and we immediately think, oh, my gosh, I've got to live up to that standard if I'm going to be accepted in society and I'm not there and I can't do it and this is terrible and I'm a terrible mother I'm a terrible person and I'm fat and I'm ugly and I'm horrible and no one loves me. Um, and it's amazing how quickly our brains jump to those oh, conclusions, yeah. isn't it? Oh. <laughs> It happens, it, it can happen in all areas of our life, but I think motherhood, it's just so pervasive. Yeah, it's, it's, I really feel like as a society, like society and media in general, do not value mums unless we're yummy or we're super. Um, and I feel like that's something that really needs to change because those notions of yummy mummies and super mums just are so damaging because those ideals are not achievable without you know huge amounts of sacrifice um and again it comes down to values so you know like i said before when we talk about what we value in life we have to be able to pick it's like our top sort of three to five values about how we want to live our life and and what we want to um, pass on to our children and the way we want to um, perceive the world and have the world perceive us because when you look at your instagram feed you're probably going to come across hundred different people's values and there's no way that you can value all of those things as your top values <laughs> sorry i've got a thirsty toddler there you go you take mom's drink bye so sorry like i was saying so you know you look at the instagram feed and you know in the space of 10 photos you might have like the mum who really values her health and well-being and is super toned and super ripped. And then the next photo you've got the mum who really values playtime with her children and is always constantly coming up with new creative craft activities for their kids. And in the next photo you've got the mum who really values order and organisation in her home and has this beautiful, neat toy cupboard and room and then the next photo you've got the mum who really leads her career and so she's talking about um you know the latest business deal she signed and then the next mum you've got is the one who really values freedom and you see her backpacking oh through the swiss yes. alps with her baby you know and so you see all these things happening in the space of literally 30 seconds and your brain's going why aren't i doing this yes you know why why aren't i this kind of mum because but what you're actually doing is you're making a conglomerate mum of like 20 yeah. different people yep. and you're trying to live up to this expectation of 20 people's top values when it's just not possible. So you need to really nail it down to what's your value? Mm. What do you value as a person, as a mother, as a family? And how can you live your life so that those values shine through? Amen to that. <laughs> I just, yes, so much. And I guess, uh, yeah, once again, I'd never thought about social media in the context of values and that I am actually comparing values. Um, oh, you've given me so much to think about. This is so awesome. I guess to finish off, I would love to know if you have, I guess there is a lot of mothers listening and we've just heard about this concept of of meaningful motherhood and, you know, having it be a very personalised thing, you know, we, we get to determine what type of mother we want to be and based on what feels achievable and good for us. So can you give, like, where would you get people to start in creating those meaningful motherhood habits? Cool. Okay. So I guess if I had to say, like, my top 
three tips. So my first tip would be know which plates you're spinning. So let me explain. So if you ever you you would have heard of the um, expression of you know having too many balls in the air, juggling you know juggling balls as a mom and blah blah blah. And I kind of use that analogy of spinning plates. So you know those crazy performers that have the plates spinning on their fingers and their toes and sticks on their heads and all those kind of things? Totally. So, And I think I might have actually stolen this analogy from um, Lawrence Tam off the Wellness Guys as well. So, Lawrence, if you're listening, thank you for the analogy. And I'm putting it into motherhood. But think about spinning plates. So as a mum, we've got a million plates spinning in the air at any one time. But those plates aren't all equal. So some of those plates are your tutelar cheapos from Kmart and some of those plates are like your grandma's Wedgwood that you inherited. And so when we're spinning those plates, we have to think about which ones are the most important and we have to give a little bit more attention to those ones because if that tutelar Kmart plate comes crashing down and splits into a million pieces, sure, we'll be a little bit upset but we're not going to be devastated. But if our health plate or our relationship plate or our marriage plate comes crashing down because we've taken our eye off of for too long, then it's going to really affect the impact. It's going to impact our life really, 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 really big. That was terrible English. Hello, there's my journalism degree working for me. Um, but, yeah, so, so know which plates you're spinning. Know which plates are the irreplaceable ones and know which plates are the ones that are just frivolous and fun and are there for a good time and, and pay attention accordingly, I guess. That would be my first tip. I love that. And I don't know where I heard it, but ages ago I did a, uh, a Facebook Live or it was probably just a video back then before Facebook Live about, um, about balls in the air. And my analogy was some of them are rubber balls. They'll bounce back like the cleaning the house, you know, drop it. But there's some that are glass balls and they are the ones I don't want to drop. And, you know, it is just about deciding which are your glass balls. And so I totally resonate with the spinning plates um, and I'm feeling dizzy thinking about that in my mind. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> for giving you vertigo. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So spinning plates or, or glass balls, beautiful. Okay, w- what's tip number two? Number two, um, number two is self-compassion. So really practice self-compassion. I find mums are the, the group that are the hardest on themselves out of anyone I've ever met. Um, we're harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. Um, and we're harder on ourselves than anyone else would be on us. So, um, you know, when we talk about self-compassion, it's really closely linked with self-care. And a lot of people say, I don't have time for self-care. But the first thing about self-care is really just speaking kindly to yourself, you know. So it takes just as much time to say to yourself, you're a fat, lazy cow, as it does to say, you look great today. You know, and so sometimes we just need to actually take a step back and be a little bit kinder to ourselves to recognize that we're doing a great job, we're doing a hard job, and we're doing it to the best of our ability. Um, and you can't have meaningful motherhood without self compassion because if you don't care about yourself enough to treat yourself kindly, then you won't be able to create a life that's meaningful for yourself. I so self compassion is key. 100% agree. It's so hard to, it's like a flexing a muscle though, isn't it? When you just try to grab those negative thoughts, like shine a light on them and then turn them around. It is really hard, but so necessary. Okay. Love that one. What's your number three? (laughs) Um, And so number three is um, just, and you mentioned it before, is just 
be here. So be more present and be more mindful, you know, and, and that will help you with those first two as well. So being more mindful and, and practicing mindfulness through your day will help you to be aware of what plates you're spinning and will help you to be more compassionate to yourself as well because it will help you to pick up how quickly you're you're bringing those negative thoughts into your mind and, and that sort of thing. Um, and just on that kind of point as well, sometimes we don't actually need to um, – you know, we don't need to rebuke those negative thoughts. So a lot of the time what happens is we'll have negative thoughts that crop up into our mind um, and they're automatic. Those things come up without us even knowing it because it's part of that lizard brain part of our anatomy, that ancient part of our brain that tries to keep us safe all the time. Um, so we often can't stop those thoughts from cropping up. Um and so then what happens is we will try to fight them. No, you know, don't say that. You're a terrible person for thinking that. <laughs> or, you, you know, you'll try to spend a lot of energy, um, you know, teaching yourself not to think these things and, and that sort of thing. And so sometimes what you can just do is, is accept, is learn to accept that sometimes you're going to feel this way um, and being mindful of, of when those thoughts come up and just, I guess, you know, having a little bit of practice in sitting with them and making space for them and allowing them to be there and not getting drawn into them and not trying to fight them or to get rid of them, to expend all that precious energy, you know, fighting against these thoughts that we can't control anyway. Um, so that's one big part of the the mindfulness training that, that I do is about supporting people to be aware of what those negative thoughts are and how they occur um, and rather than trying to fight them, just sort of, let them be and, and, and let them move on. So that's another trick as well. <laughs> um, but I being love more that. present, being more mindful, you know, um, it's, it's so important and it's the one thing that's probably helped me the most in the, in the six years that I've had my children. Um, you know, I, whenever I am having a period of time where I'm getting really angry or frustrated with them or I'm not coping, it will always be because I'm not being mindful enough that I'm trying to do too many things at once. Um, you know, that, that things are going a little bit haywire. Um, <laughs> it was funny, sorry, the other day we were camping last week. We were down um, Kingston in the southeast of South Australia camping at the caravan park and my little little three-year-old was still asleep when I woke up and, and I kind of walked through and she rolled over and she said, in just a minute and rolled back to sleep and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of looked at her earlier and I went oh my gosh she would have heard that from me so just a minute in just one minute yes. <laughs> um and that's you know that was a little wake-up call for myself as well is like just being aware of how often we do that with our kids you know like how often are we saying just one minute or in five minutes or, or those sorts of things you know being able to like you said just be with them I know it's tricky and I know that it's not always possible um but just being aware of what is it that we're doing that is stopping us from being there with them at that moment? Is it something important or is it something that doesn't need to be there? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I. All of this is just pure gold and I am so glad that we've had this conversation because you. you've helped me reframe things and now I actually understand occupational therapy, <laughs> especially in the context for mums. But if people are loving this too and thinking that they might want to work with you or find out more, like, get more of your tips, where should they go and, and what do you offer? Sure. So they can go to my website, um, which is bloomwellbeing.com.au. So there's the blog there. Um, and I also have um, an online program called Mindful Motherhood, which is a five-week um, e-course, um, which will be running three times this year. I'm just setting the dates out for that 
coming up soon. Um, but I have also, what I've done for your lovely listeners, Lisa, is I'm um, creating a little free 21-day Small Steps to Mindfulness program. Love it. So um, you can go to bloomwellbeing.com.au slash small steps um, and there will be a link there that you can um, join in at any time, basically. So it will be a free 21-day program. Just be um, a daily email with a really short, quick kind of little mindfulness tip. Like I said, you know, number three was be more present, be more mindful because I find this is one of the most powerful tools that mums can use to support their own well-being. Um, and what I find is that mums will say, I, I, I know that I should be more mindful and I know that I should meditate and I just I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Um, and I know it can really feel like that sometimes. So what I've done is, is kind of introduce mums to the concept of what I call micro-mindfulness and it's just – for those mums who don't have the time yet to do 24 minutes or 30 minutes or even 10 or 15 minutes is how can you actually fit little kind of like 30 second, one minute, two minute bouts of mindfulness into your day. And it's entirely possible to do that. It's just about being a little bit more mindful in everyday stuff that we do. So this program is all about helping mums to do that because just because we can't find a solid 20 minute block doesn't mean that these shorter little bursts of mindfulness won't be as effective as well. So that's where you can sign up for that. That is awesome. And I will, of course, have a link to all of this in the show notes. I appreciate Fantastic. your time so much. And now everyone's going off for 21 days of mindfulness. It's the best thing ever. So um, thank you. I'm sure we'll continue chatting because yes. it's like you're an untapped resource, Sarah. I just, oh, and I can chat all day. I know. <laughs> you totally could. Uh, but alas, you know, kids. So, I know. I can't let her watch Octonauts all day long. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Bye. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living, inspiring your best life, one small step at a time.